future, talk radio will actually educate, inspire, and make you think. The future is now. Topics and music that affect your life from Universal Broadcasting Network. Tune in at ubnradio.com. She's passionate about telling stories of amazing women who are rocking the world and empowering women to live, love, and thrive. Here's your host, Katherine Gray. Hi, welcome to Live, Love, Thrive, Women's Empowerment Hour, brought to you by 360 Karma. You know, next week, we are going to have some very interesting guests. You won't want to miss it. I'm going to have my oldest guest to date. She's 97 years old. Her name is Shirley Baskin Familian, and she's an acclaimed artist, so you won't want to miss that episode. We will also have Yumi Harad, who is a web development uh, specialist who can uh, actually show you how to grow your business through online. She's prolific at it and uh, it's going to be a very exciting show you won't want to miss so be sure to subscribe to us on youtube so you don't miss any episodes today we have two amazing women in the area of philanthropy we have alana ween who is with uh, the jewish community foundation la and then we also are going to have uh Pamela Acosta Marquette, who is with, uh, she's actually the founder of the Pancreatic Cancer Network. First up, please give a warm welcome to Alana. Thank you. Thank Hi. you so much. Hi. How are you? you? Good, good. I'm happy to be here. Catherine. I'm happy to have you here. Um, so before we talk about the amazing work that you're doing at the, um, com- that the Jewish Community Foundation, which is an a billion dollar uh, organization that ha- has put 80, 80 billion? Million. 80, 80 million, million last dollars year. last year yeah, into nonprofits really yeah. in Los Angeles and around the country, right? Yeah, and around the world. I mean, $80 million, that's mm. a lot. I mean, yeah. you guys are doing just amazing work. And Thank I'm you. excited to talk to you about exactly what they're doing and how okay. people can get involved. Sure. Um, but first of all, let's talk about your path to getting to work for this incredible organization. Sure. Uh, so you uh, were born here? Yes. Yeah. So I was raised in the Valley, in the mm-hmm. San Fernando Valley. So yeah. I'm a Valley girl. You're a Valley girl. I'm a Valley girl. Yeah. And um, Thank goodness you don't talk like one. <laughs> <laughs> or do you? <laughs> Am I miss that? comes it, out, it, it yeah. can come out. Yeah. Um, so grew up in the valley. Yeah. Um, grew up here in Los Angeles. I think I heard it when you said valley. <laughs> yeah, it can come out. It can yeah. definitely come out. So yeah. we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Um, I went and did my undergrad at UC Berkeley, um, and oh. I also did my master's um, in Mexico. I lived in Mexico for two years. Wow, that's interesting. And I've done a lot of travel, and after all of that, came back to. Um, Los Angeles, so it's definitely a wonderful place to call home. Right. Yeah. So you were telling me that uh, it was kind of homogenous uh, growing up in the valley, but yeah. you, you were kind of a a woman that was attracted to diversity and 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 helping people in need, which is yeah. no wonder that you ended up doing what you're doing. Uh, so first of all, what took you to to Berkeley? What were mm-hmm. you studying there? Sure, sure. And I think you know to kind of explain, you know, growing up, I think I was really raised to be very inquisitive. Mm-hmm. I think that that is a value that um, is common in many cultures, but especially within the Jewish culture, um, to really ask questions and try to better understand why there are people that are struggling out there and what you can do mm-hmm. to make a difference. So I think even though I was in a bit of an insulated community, I had a lot of opportunities through community service, through mm-hmm. my synagogue and through my school to give back. Um, going to UC Berkeley was an opportunity to really kind of get out of my comfort zone, meet people, Mm -hmm. not just from all over the country, but all over the world. Mm -hmm. And um, I really just enjoyed that experience to kind of stretch my wings a bit. 
That's cool. Yeah. And then how did you, what were you studying at Berkeley? So at Berkeley, I studied geography, human geography, which is, um, you know, really kind of a, a unique way to understand what motivates people, um, yeah. w- why they live where they live, and what, what motivates their culture and their decision making. Yeah. Um, and it's something that ties into the master's work that I did, which was in Mexico through a Rotary ambassadorial scholarship. Um, I was there for two years, um, focused on anthropology. So again, kind of a study of human culture. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, anthropology, and, and <laughs> then you ended up here. Yeah. I did. But, I did. but it is interesting, yeah. isn't it, to study people's different cultures and what yeah. makes them tick and how and we values. all differ. And yeah. I love that, too. I love yeah. traveling just to, to see other people's culture and yeah. how, how we all are so different and yet so alike. Yeah, and I think yeah. at the end of the day, what we all have in common is that we're looking for meaning, mm-hmm. and there are some real values that drive the decisions that we make. And Absolutely. that's something that I've enjoyed, you know, learning about and also applying the work that I do now when I do philanthropic advising. Mm-hmm. So working with um, individuals and families that are looking to give back in a meaningful way. So at the core, you're saying, uh, I think everybody wants, uh, A, love, mm-hmm. love of family, love mm-hmm. of friends, sure. love. Everybody wants love, right? Sure, sure. And then people want to make a difference. Absolutely. Absolutely. And they're trying to figure out, how do I do that? Right. And we're going to talk about what a great way it is to uh, fulfill that by working with the foundation. Absolutely. Um, and, and, you know, you were talking about the culture you grew up in was about being inquisitive and caring about other people. Mm-hmm. I find that's very much so in the Jewish community. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, the Jewish culture mm-hmm. is all about how can we help other people? How can we give back? It, it's really right. a beautiful thing that it's a very philanthropic um people. Yeah, and I think yeah. it really comes to the value of tikkun olam, of repairing the world, and that that's really um, not kind of an option. It's a responsibility that we all share, and that's really at the foundation of the Jewish Committee Foundation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, one cute story you shared with me when you were 14, mm-hmm. you brought this brochure to your mom, and you had yeah. it all figured out how yeah. you were going to get to go on this wilderness trip, yeah. how you were going to pay for it, and uh, <laughs> you said that you were always a planner. Right. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Always a planner. Me and too. Yeah. Me too. I'm <laughs> a planner. Absolutely. <laughs> and um, yeah, and it was this really interesting program I'd found that was both kind of part almost outward bound in a sense, kind of wilderness yeah. program, but also had a cultural component. Yeah. Um, I happened to be reading a lot about um, Native American culture um, mm-hmm. and kind of the history of the Native Americans um, in this country. And it was a really unique opportunity for a valley girl mm-hmm. um, to do a community service project on the Hopi reservation. Um, oh, wow. And what was really great about it um, was all that planning and thought that went into it that I had shared with my parents. They really kind of understood, wow, this is someone who's really looking for these kinds of new experiences, mm-hmm. but is being very planful about it. And I yeah. think that that's also that that kind of eye on looking toward the future mm-hmm. um, and really thinking through what we're doing is mm-hmm. one of the great ways to find meaning and impact in what we're doing. So they were supportive and you went. Very supportive. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And what did you learn about uh, the Indian culture? Yeah, I think, you know, from the Native American culture, um, there definitely was um, a really important emphasis on family Mm. um, and also on tradition Mm -hmm. um, and kind of helping to make um, traditions relevant in our current culture and mm-hmm. there can be a real just like with the jewish uh, right community the, right as well yeah so you kind of found that alignment yeah, i bet absolutely and yeah. it was really interesting to see how kind of the younger generation within that culture was kind of reinterpreting some of the practices and making it 
um, relevant while still respecting mm -hmm. um, their elders and, and, and lessons that they had learned. And then yeah. uh, you shared with me that you, your travels took you to Brazil. Well, yes. What was that about? Yeah, so I also um, really enjoy dance, and yeah. so I had originally um, been motivated to go for a dance program. Oh, fun. Um, but while I was there, I went to a dance performance mm -hmm. that was a benefit for um, children who were affected by cancer. Oh, wow. And it was um, children and their families that would come from the impoverished areas into um, the this, this city center where they would get their treatments. Mm -hmm. And the center would take care of them and also had volunteers. Mm -hmm. um, I ended up actually going and volunteering there mm -hmm. um, and helping um, the kids stay on top of their um, schoolwork. Um, it also provided um, all different kinds of kind of wraparound services. Now, you explained to me you were so moved by yeah. this program. That, that was kind of your first foray into fundraising because it was. you came back to L.A. and raised yeah. money for that program, yeah. right? Yeah, so I was really amazed by it. I, I had such an incredible experience getting to know this organization mm -hmm. and um, getting to understand what the need was there. Mm -hmm. And I thought, you know, people like should with, know about and this. And with most nonprofits, the need is funding. Yeah, exactly, right, right, exactly. Yeah. And, um, you know, funding, but also people want to make sure that the dollars are going to be used appropriately yes um, and that it really will be impactful and mm -hmm. so it's helpful to have someone who's on the ground who's really vetted it and because I had gotten to know the organization through volunteering when I came back and started talking about with my friends and family um, basically there was a lot of real um, interest in helping to support this organization so mm -hmm. I led a little bit of a, a grassroots fundraiser mm -hmm. um, and with the funds that were gathered together, I was able to help that center double um, the number of beds that they were able to have for their kids wow. and families there. And it was for a relatively small, modest amount of yeah. money. Yeah. And I think what was most incredible about that and seeing how appreciative they were yeah. was what you're able to do when you're really passionate. Yeah. Also planful, mindful, yes, um, and when you're able to really see what the impact is going to be and communicate it to others. So it sounds like these experiences were the beginnings of where your career was going to take you, sure, yeah. which is today at yeah. the uh, foundation. Right, right. And, um, you know, it, it is interesting if we look back in our past, usually all the different experiences we have mm -hmm. do impact what we want to do later in life. Sure. With, you know, I mean, it's nice your your the people want to make a difference and here you are actually doing a job that makes a difference every day so that's right. got to be gratifying right it's very yeah. gratifying yeah. and i think what i most enjoy and what we're able to do is we have uh, you know essentially people that have means that are thinking of making a grant to a nonprofit they can do that directly or they could work with the Jewish Community Foundation, for example. Mm -hmm. And if they're looking for maybe the best charities in a certain mm -hmm. area that they want to have an impact, they'd like me or our staff to do some research, vet something, um, they'd like to go kind of check it out. We can be that partner with right. them in doing that. Well, let's talk yeah. about what the uh, the Jewish Community Foundation actually sure. does, which sure. is Jewish um, foundationla.org. Right. right, yes. Um, so they could go there and find out about it. Yes, they can. <laughs> and, you know, I know um, uh, you all shared with me, you had had an ad that if you think it's hard earning money, try giving, try it, giving away. it away. Right. Yeah. And so I think people would uh, think, what do you mean by that? You know, but sure. uh, it I think I, my interpretation of that is mm -hmm. there's so many different places that you can give. Right. I know here in L.A. we get asked, I mean, there's thousands upon thousands of nonprofits. How 50, do we thousand yeah. in Los Angeles? How do we pick which ones 
Right. How do we give in a way that we know makes a difference? Right. And so the, the Jewish Foundation is one way for people in the Jewish community to um, align with the foundation where they can put their philanthropy dollars both when they're alive mm-hmm. or when they pass on right. as a legacy right. exactly. to make sure that those dollars are put to use in places that are vetted right. and uh, will make a difference. Right. And um, they can even, I know you were sharing with me, and I yeah. love this, that yeah. once they tell you, okay, well, I'd like my money to go here or there, mm-hmm. you can even actually set up for them to go visit that entity right. exactly. to find out how and where their money's being used. And I think so often we give to things and we think, well, it makes me feel great that I gave, but I don't know where the money went, actually. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So let's talk about what the Jewish Community Foundation is in a nutshell. Sure. So in a nutshell, you can think of us like a charitable bank. Mm-hmm. So um, somebody could give to a charity through their checkbook, but they can also open a fund with us, for example, mm-hmm. Donor Advised Fund, and they get that immediate tax um, benefit from that. Mm-hmm. But then they can, on their own timetable, then decide which charities they want to give to. Um, and as long as it is a valid nonprofit, it's consistent with our mission, there's over thousands of, of organizations that our donors mm-hmm. give to through us. So someone might sell their business or right. inherit some money and say, mm-hmm. Maybe they want to give a million dollars to right. the foundation because right. it's an immediate tax write-off. They right. don't have to wait till they give it out over years. Right. And uh, you could even put it into uh, growth uh, investments that mm-hmm. could grow it. So maybe sure. that million becomes $1.5 million over right. 10 or 20 years so that you can actually give more. Right, right. Um, and then also you have advisors like yourself mm-hmm. that advise them where and how to utilize the money based on their passions. Um, So they get the consulting, they get the write-off, they get the opportunity to grow their money. This seems like all good reasons to to put it into the foundation. Right, exactly. And, Mm -hmm. you know, depending on how much they're putting in their fund, um, how risky or not risky they want to be, what they're trying to achieve, there's Mm -hmm. different investment options there. Mm -hmm. But they can actually open a donor advised fund for as little as $5,000. So sometimes Mm -hmm. there's kind of a perception that, oh, this needs to be, um, you know, a major, really large amount of money. And that was um, my question, too, yeah. was what's the minimum? Yeah, so mm-hmm. you can start with $5,000. Oh, that's great. Um, and it's really about developing a relationship with us. We do kind of educational programming for donors, um, those that have funds with us. The other part that we're able to do that's really unique about a, a community foundation mm-hmm. itself is unlike a bank where mm-hmm. you're paying the fees and those are going to profit, mm-hmm. um, we as a charity are able to actually pull those together and then make additional grants. So a donor who decides, instead of just making a grant out of my own checkbook, I'm going to do it through my fund at the Jewish Community Foundation, they're not only making that contribution, Mm -hmm. but in addition, we're going to make additional grants on their behalf by pooling all of those different funds together. So we give millions of millions of dollars away locally for both Jewish causes and, and, and to the wider community and also in Israel. And we're able to do that because of those mm-hmm. funds that we have with us. Yeah, you mentioned that like 30% of the entities that you donate to are, are non-Jewish right. uh, nonprofits. So it's right. not limited to uh, just Jewish uh, Profit, uh, right, nonprofits. Right. Yeah. So, so most of our donors are Jewish. They, mm-hmm. you know, that that's how they come to associate with us is the mm-hmm. Jewish Community Foundation. Sure. Um, they do tend to give locally. So, of that eighty million that went out last year, about half of that was local. 
mm-hmm. um, but we have donors that give to all sorts of, of causes, everything from the arts to at-risk youth to brain cancer research. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's local. It can also even be international if there's mm-hmm. an appropriate um, nonprofit that can receive those funds on behalf of that mm-hmm. group, and we can help them figure that out. They can also give internationally. So there's a lot of great flexibility there. My guess is yeah. that nonprofits are out there saying, wow, <laughs> this is an incredible organization. Yeah. I'd like to align with them. Yeah. How do you determine which nonprofits that you're going to work with? Yeah, well, so that is an excellent question. I we thought it have, was. Yes. <laughs> so by kind of pooling those resources together and doing mm-hmm. the grants that we do mm-hmm. um, as a foundation, we have different kind of grant pools for that. Mm-hmm. And all of that great information is actually on our website. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, JewishFoundationLA.org. Um, and so we have really specific kind of guidelines for all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but in addition, we're meeting with hundreds of nonprofits throughout the year mm-hmm. um, and get introduced to them from other community members, um, from other donors with us, because Mm -hmm. we want to be a resource, whether there's a good um, grant fit or not with something that we're doing as a foundation. We get asked all the time about other organizations and what do you think about this? How does this compare? Which Mm -hmm. groups are the best in class? So Mm -hmm. we're always trying to stay up Mm -hmm. and current with with what's going on in the nonprofit field. So you're always growing your network. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. So someone involved, like say they have their money in the foundation, they say, right. you know, I'd really be interested in putting my money into this entity. Can right. you guys check that out and see right. if we could put them on the uh, approval list? Right, yeah. right. Yeah. So less less of a b- approval list, but more, um, you know, maybe can you meet with them or mm-hmm. what do you think about them or what are some other similar organizations? Could mm-hmm. you maybe interest um, introduce me to other people that may be interested in this area? Mm-hmm. So we definitely see ourselves as a connector. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're also constantly vetting the organizations and, um, and researching them, but more a partner to mm-hmm. those that are giving um, dollars away because it is hard. Yes. And especially if you are making a grant, sometimes you have a lot of people from different directions that are mm-hmm. kind of asking for things. Right. It's really helpful to have a trusted partner like the Jewish Community Foundation right. where you can just call me up or call our staff up right. and just say, honestly, you know, what do you think? So also, too, uh, I would think that people might be uh, contacted a lot by a lot of different nonprofits that, mm-hmm. that you could just say, oh, can you call my partner, yes. uh, Jewish Community Foundation, yes. and you all will buffer that for yeah, them to so field those calls. Yeah, so that's also one of the benefits. Yeah, you know, that's a huge benefit. Yeah, so sometimes, mm-hmm. um, you know, we may have donors that are um, interested in making their funds um, or their grants publicly, but sometimes mm-hmm. they actually want to be anonymous, mm-hmm. and so we're also able to provide that um, to those that want to open um, funds with us so that those grants are made on behalf of the Jewish Community Foundation um, and that that donor doesn't need their name mm-hmm. all over because sometimes that can be overwhelming. Right. Yeah, yeah. Are there other entities like this around the country? Uh, this is one of the only ones I've heard of that, you know, where they pool the money and create, you know, that, that individual people can. I mean, I've heard of foundations right. put on by a, a person or something. Right. But this seems like such a unique foundation where people can participate yeah. You know, like maybe they can't right. have their own foundation, but I think it's cool that they can become part of this large foundation. Sure. So I think yeah. one of the things that's unique about the Jewish Community Foundation is we have what's called our Center for Design Philanthropy. Mm-hmm. And that's you're is, the vice president which I'm of the vice president of. Yeah. And so that is really um, a service that's part of the Jewish Community Foundation for our donors mm-hmm. um, to provide this kind of counsel and support and mm-hmm. advice and kind of hand holding um, as they're making um, grants. Mm-hmm. 
Um, there are definitely other community foundations. Um, there are community foundations locally and around the country, mm -hmm. um, both Jewish community foundations, but of, of many different um, backgrounds. Mm -hmm. um, and each one is different. So there's kind of an expression philanthropy when you've met one foundation, you've met one foundation. And I think that that's very true. Each mm -hmm. one's unique. Mm -hmm. And so it's great when someone's interested in learning more to just kind of meet with people, get to know them and make sure it's a See good fit. See if it's a fit. good fit. Yeah, yeah, it's a good fit. So. Oh, that's great. Yeah, yeah. So it must be great to have a job where you're giving away money. It's wonderful. <laughs> it's wonderful. But you and know, making also, a difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's 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 very exciting. Yeah. Um, it's very creative, and you know, it's um, it's 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 really special, especially going back to being from here, yeah. um, from Los Angeles originally. Um, obviously, also being part of the Jewish community, I'm very proud when I. I'm around our city and I see, you know, the names that I recognize yes. and I see these different institutions and you see the ways that these funds have really made a difference Let's, here and, uh, and abroad. Let's yeah. mention a couple of those sure. uh, before we uh, wrap up is sure. that uh, I know you mentioned to me there was a physician here who... Yeah. Uh, yeah, has given a significant donation. Do yeah, you want to so, tell me about that? Sure. So one of the, um, the folks that I've worked with, um, his name's Len Lippman, and he's a retired endocrinologist. And when he had um, you know, an important event, when he sold his business, um, that was really kind of the moment for his first foray into philanthropy, into ah. really giving um, at, that, at that kind of level to um, nonprofits. And he was particularly passionate around the issue of um, Helping people with diabetes, mm -hmm. those most um, with most serious cases, because mm -hmm. those are the ones that have the highest risk of associated complications with diabetes. There's a whole host of things, heart mm -hmm. disease, um, all kinds of issues, and those are sometimes the most difficult people um, to really treat and, and reach because they just requires it's it's a lot of work, it's mm -hmm. a lot of um, appointments, there's a lot of service and care that's needed. So we helped him create a whole new diabetes um, management program. Program, a Venice Family Clinic. Oh, and it was something that they didn't have before. They had been working with that population, but they didn't have something targeted to those most complicated cases. And that required, of course, additional staffing and other kinds of technological resources. Mm -hmm. um, and this started just a few years ago. They've already enrolled over 600 patients. Wow. Um, and they've seen in that period of time a significant reduction in the hemoglobin levels, and that directly relates to a decrease in some of these other complications. So the money was obviously put to great use. It was. And, yeah. um, and then another couple you mentioned had yeah. uh, donated quite a bit of money to uh, the Children's Hospital. Yeah. So yeah. Um, so Mindy and Jean Stein, we've been working with the family for a number of years, and they really credit us with helping them craft what their vision was, which is really making a difference in the lives of children and families by investing in early childhood. So they were interested in starting, again, a new program. This was at Children's Hospital um, to have all of the professionals there trained in the importance of um, infant mental health and have that incorporated into the clinical care. Mm -hmm. So they made a significant grant to create that a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. They've already trained 700 professionals and they've served 300 families. And one of the things that's really special about those families is that they created um, a tool. Our tool was created through the grant to identify those parents that are um, experiencing depression, high levels of stress, mm -hmm. and then creating interventions around that to make sure that they're getting the care that they need to be the best parents that they can be. 
Wow. So that money was put to good use. And obviously, you guys helped them to design that. Yeah. And so part of what we were able to do there is... Um, you know, going back to earlier about being, you know, planning and being mm-hmm. mindful and being thoughtful is it's so important for someone when they're thinking of making a grant and the nonprofit, especially if it's something new, mm-hmm. to make sure they're on the same page. And that's one of the things we can help is right. really talk through what are your goals, what are your objectives, let's put that all on paper, mm-hmm. let's create some kind of reporting around that so we're really clear on how the impact's being made. And so that people can leave a beautiful legacy. Yes. And who doesn't want to do that? Exactly. So you're helping people do that. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for sharing all the great work that the foundation is doing. I hope people look it up, uh, jewishfoundationla.org. Thanks, Alana, for being here. Thank you, Catherine. And we will be right back Mm -hmm. with Pamela Acosta Marquette. And we're going to talk about the pancan.org, which is the Pancreatic Cancer Network. We'll be right back. The Live, Love, Thrive radio show is produced by 360karma.com. Are you a 360 Karma woman? If so, spread the word. Be sure to follow us on social media at 360 Karma Women on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Please like us and share us with family and friends. This is the year of the woman, and we are stronger together. The Live, Love, Thrive program is brought to you in part by Honda of downtown Los Angeles, supporting the equality and empowerment of women. back with Pamela Pamela Acosta Marquette and uh, welcome Pamela. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I know you're here with the uh, Pancreatic Cancer Network that you founded. I did. Yes and we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about how and why you founded this great organization that's helping so many people and how things are taking such good strides in that pancreatic cancer arena. There's some positive stories that we have to tell. But first, let's talk about why uh, you started this. It's a personal um, story that you have to share. And uh, before we get to that, I just want to talk about, uh, I know you too grew up here in Los Angeles, right? I did. Yeah. I I can't believe I've had two guests that grew up here. You are the only two. (laughs) (laughs) So um, you grew up here in Los Angeles and um, your, your mom and dad, uh, you know, I know, uh, like everybody, it's challenging. You know, uh, parents can be challenging. And you, you had said your your mom, it was a little challenging relationship you had with her growing up. A little yes? bit. Yeah. 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 And uh, so uh, tell me a little bit uh, about both your parents. I know you said your dad actually came here from Germany. He did. Um Wow. You told me he uh, escaped just before the Germans came in. He said the Nazis were coming in the front door. He was going out the back door. It was a close call, was it? Well, yeah. that's how they tell the story. Yes. So I don't know. I mean, timing was certainly right for that. Yeah. They might have added a little bit of drama into that. Not yeah. sure. But my dad did come over when he was 18 years old and yeah. actually signed up and fought for the Americans. So I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so glad that he he got out of there before that. You know, I mean, uh, yeah, because I've had some people on and there's some grim stories when they didn't get out in time. So uh, that's a blessing. 
Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. his family ended up in the Twin Cities area of Minnesota, uh-huh. and that's where he ended up meeting my mom on a blind date, oh, of all things. Wow. So my mom had grown up in St. Paul. Uh-huh. Um, now, one thing you told me about your mom was she grew up with parents that divorced when she was, like, very young, right? She was seven, seven when which her we father were, left the family. Yeah, and we were saying that was very unusual back then. Well, like, I didn't even yeah. know things like that happened back then. Right, <laughs> you know? right. So, yeah, the, like, divorce was just not a word that people talk They used to whisper it. Right. They're getting right. divorced. Divorce, yeah, yes. yeah. <laughs> now it's, like, no big deal. But <laughs> Exactly. But back then yeah. it didn't happen. Right. So her mom raised a family of six. Wow. My mom was the baby of the family mm-hmm. and it was it was tough times, yeah, you yeah. know. The stories that I've heard both from my mom, yeah. from some of my older cousins. Now she was being raised by a single mom, mm-hmm. six kids, in an era when moms when women didn't really work, couldn't have bank accounts, couldn't have credit cards. It was just exactly. a crazy time. Like how hard would that be to raise six kids in those conditions? Well, it wasn't even like she could be like a career woman, you know? Exactly. So, it, yeah. it was crazy. I mean, my grandmother was definitely like a, a housewife, quote yeah. unquote, yeah. Um, raising these these children. My grandmother was from Romania. Oh. So, um, yeah, if their kids really, I think, yeah. had to grow up pretty quickly. I remember my mom yeah. telling me a story about actually lying on an application to get a job at, I believe it was Learners or one of the retail clothing stores at the time, just so that she could work and have some money and help the family and provide for herself. It was tough times. It was really tough times. Learners, you and I remember learners. None of our young young listeners (laughs) will remember learners. They'll be like, learners, what's that? But (laughs) But we know. It was a very popular story. It was. Yes, it was. I think it was their version of Target or something. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. But um, so, and the reason we're we're talking about your mom is because she's the one that actually ended up having the pancreatic cancer. But, you know, growing up with her, I know you said it was a little challenging. You know, it must be probably because of that tough childhood she had. I think she kind of shared that with you in the later years. She did. And as as my mom was dying from pancreatic cancer, um, I said to her, I said, you know, mom, you're always so negative about things because I tend to be very positive. positive. I am a glass is half full kind of gal. And my mom was so a glass is half empty. Right. And you you told me, you said, uh, if you told her you won the lottery, she'd say, but what about the taxes? Oh my gosh. Yeah. It would be, (laughs) oh my gosh, the taxes you're going to have to pay. I mean, that was like, so my mom, but you know, my friends adored her, but I just, I always felt that underlying negativity. And when I said to her in her final day, why were you so negative? And she said, you know, you have no idea how I grew up and just the tough times. And, you know, it's... It does impact us, doesn't it? It does impact us. And it goes back to that point of people can live through some devastating things in their life. Mm -hmm. 
Everybody processes them differently. Everybody processes differently. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we don't make a conscious choice whether we're going to say, okay, I'm going to change my life from here on out Mm -hmm. or I'm going to repeat my life. Right. Yeah. Some people want to live in the past and and they never dig out of that. And that's sad because that was then and this is now. Exactly. I'm very much a person of, you know, let's live in the present and the joy of the present. Is everything okay today? If everything's okay today, then let's celebrate. It. Oh, you absolutely. Know, forget what happened, uh, the horse we rode in on or whatever. But uh, I know easier for, for some than others, but it does take work and it is a choice. It definitely is a choice. Absolutely. So, you know, you could, you know, we grow up with parents and they have these different idiosyncrasies and we either say, oh, I'm, I'm going to be exactly like them, which you could have done. Right. Or you can say, I'm going to be the exact opposite. Oh, that was yeah. me. That yeah. was me. I'm yeah. like, oh, yeah. I don't want to be that. Yeah. Because I knew how, yeah. how that affected me growing up. And yes. I always wondered why are people like that? Right. And I said, I don't want to be yeah. like that. Isn't it interesting uh, that you didn't ask her until she was about to pass away? I was thinking about that today, how um, just in my own personal situation and what I see with other friends and people is that along the way, we have our parents all these years and we never ask them these questions that we want right. to. And I'm wondering, why don't we? Like we're afraid to ask or something. But then when, when it comes to the end, you know, we tend to ask or, or we miss the opportunity. But we tend to ask these things that we otherwise wouldn't. And we always, you know, I always think, why didn't we ask it along the way? Right. And is you it know? not having the courage to ask? Is yeah. it not that you don't want to cause a, you know, a rift or a confrontation? I think that is or, it. Yeah. You know, so but then when the. The time is ticking. Yeah. And you're like, if I don't ask now, I will never know. And I really needed to know. Yeah, you wanted to put closure on that. What was it? I guess maybe that's what it was. And really kind of put that whole piece to bed and then just kind of move on and do positive things and make a difference in the world and have impact. Because my mother's getting diagnosed with pancreatic cancer literally changed my life. Right. And, you know, uh, I thought it was interesting that you said you had this kind of strained relationship because you're positive, she was negative. But um, then in, in the end, you're the one that was the one that stepped up to the plate about the pancreatic cancer. You 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 saw that there was no answers to her right. situation. And you're the one that went researching and pounding the pavement, looking for answers. What could help my mother? Was that healing for you to be able to do that for her, even though, you know, in the in the long run, she passed from it? But absolutely. I mean, ugh, I would think it that, really was. I mean, it, it, not only did you look for it answer, but when there wasn't one, you created one. And that's the beauty right. of this story, Pamela. You said there is no organization. I'm going to create one. And I know it took a lot more work than that, just that right. statement, but it starts with that. <laughs> but that, see, in my mind, it was yeah. that simple, yeah. right? Because, yeah. you know, I say all the time, sometimes when you're too stupid to know certain things I, can't be done. I hear you. You just, you just I've move. done many of those. <laughs> <laughs> and either you fail and you yeah. learn from that failure, yeah. or guess what? You yeah. could succeed. Yeah, my first documentary, I got on the air and I read later that it's a one in a million that it's like winning the lottery to get your documentary on the air. I didn't know. You didn't know. I didn't know. It's right? the best See? thing not to know. <laughs> well, I think so many times people just in life are crippled with fear. Yeah. Yes. And once you can remove that fear. And you, you probably you had no fear because you were like, I am finding a solution to help my mother. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And, I, you know, I really do feel that, 
you know, people are cut from different cloths, mm-hmm. and it's okay. I mean, the world's yeah, made that's up what makes of it interesting. all different kinds of people. Yeah. But what's been so wonderful with even from the early days of starting the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network to today, the people that come forward and want to get involved, those people are the ones that I feel like are all cut from that same cloth. Right. Same cloth is... Like, as, I call it like-minded people. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly what it is because it's yeah. people like myself, people like our president and CEO, Julie Fleshman, who has been at the helm of this organization since I thought you were going to say our president of our country almost fell out of the chair. No, I was... I'm not, <laughs> listen, you won't get me talking about that. We're not me. talking about that. <laughs> I don't do politics. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we've got so many people that mm-hmm. have come together. It's those people yeah. that can't and can't just move on we never forget our loved ones right. we never forget what they right. meant to us but people process their grief differently right. right some people have a need to move on then there's those of us that can't we have a tremendous need to do something about it right so that we can change the future right and i love that so your mom gets pancreatic cancer you're thinking, I'm going to look online and find out what I can do for her. You find out there's no organization right. out there. This is uh, in 96. And you say, well, I'm going to start one, basically. Yeah, isn't yeah. that the craziest thing you've ever yeah. heard? So I know the beginnings of that were that you had made an alliance with um, John Hopkins Hospital. You realized that they needed funding for this pancreatic cancer research lab, right? Correct. You come back here to Beverly Hills. And you put on a gala. I did. Yeah. <laughs> and, and really talk about being naive. Yeah. So I, but I so, thought it was smart what you did. You looked at the AIDS crisis. Exactly. And you said, now, how are they raising money? And you said, oh, they're raising money with celebrities who have been touched by this uh, disease. And you thought, let me find some celebrity families who've been touched by right. pancreatic cancer. I think that was very smart of you. And that's how you started your first gala. And But it wasn't even just how they were raising money. It was the yeah. fact that... Bringing you know, attention to the it. The whole HIV AIDS thing was such a taboo subject. Right. Nobody wanted... Just like to pancreatic eat. cancer is today. Ex- exactly. Or mm-hmm. really was back then. Mm-hmm. Nobody oh, yeah. wanted to touch it. Right. So, but then when the celebrities stepped up with Elizabeth Taylor, Magic Johnson, Michael Jackson back then... Right. All of a sudden, it came, became this cool, new, sexy, yeah. almost thing to get involved in. Right. So that's kind of what my subconscious thought process yeah. was. Well, I think that was smart. Because I had found out that there were a tremendous amount of celebrities that had lost their battles with pancreatic cancer, and people didn't know. I mean, people, Donna Reed, um, yeah. Jack Benny, Joan Crawford, oh gosh, Juliet Prowse, Fernando Lamas. I mean, the list goes on and right. on and on, and people didn't know. So I thought, right. what if? Yeah, bring we could it out bring from under the carpet. Bring those families together, and that's exactly what we did. That's so smart. And so you guys uh, raised money to, that went to uh, starting the uh, the pancreatic cancer uh, pancreatic cancer research lab at well, Johns Hopkins, yeah, right? That, I had found out that there was a researcher at Johns Hopkins Mm -hmm. who wanted to study early detection for pancreatic cancer, but there was no money for a lab. Wow. So I called up and I said, well, how how much is it going to cost? Yeah. And they got all excited. You know, they're development people. And I couldn't figure out why they were so excited. 
And yeah. I know I know now, now that I do develop, yeah. <laughs> they thought I was a big major donor on the other end of the line, and it was yeah. just me. Yeah. And when they said, oh, it'll be $400,000, oh my gosh, $400,000, yeah. what does the man need? 20 years ago. Like a table and a microscope and yeah. a couple Petri dishes, right? Yeah. <laughs> the bottom line, I... I Kind of total leap of faith and signed the document and pledged that four hundred thousand. Oh my god! So we raised the hundred thousand to get it going wow. at our very first evening with the Stars Gala on oh November eighth, nineteen ninety eight. Wow! And then three months after that, I actually started the organization, the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network. Wow! Or PanCan, and it's as been growing and thriving since since then. Yeah. It's amazing. We're yeah. we're based. You just had your Purple Stride walk last week we in LA. We did at Exposition Park. They raised over four hundred fifty thousand dollars. Are you kidding? And they wow. are still going strong, raising money for the next few months for that as wow. well. And you do this in like fifty, sixty cities around the yeah. country, right? We do Purple Strides, and probably yeah. about I think we do about fifty five of them mm-hmm. every single year. Wow! That's in fact, there awesome. were several of them going on last weekend while we were here in LA doing this one. Oh, that's so cool! So. But the organization has grown tremendously. Mm -hmm. Our national headquarters are here in Manhattan Beach, California. Mm -hmm. We do cover the whole country. We are volunteer-driven on the ground across the country Mm -hmm. in what we call affiliates. They're kind of like chapters. Mm -hmm. But we have volunteers that take on roles as if they were full-time paid jobs. Yeah. Well, people are looking for opportunities like that, especially if it means something to them, like they had it in their family. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah they, My best friend uh, was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer in 2012. And I thought, oh, my gosh, you know, this is not good. And uh, I'm so happy to say she's thriving. Uh, she actually started the Live, Love, Thrive uh, grassroots wonderful, uh, wonderful. group in Long Island. And that's where we got the name of our show and our conference. And uh, Barbara Lentini is just a hero of mine. She's uh, living, loving, and thriving. She created a group where uh, women with cancer uh, could come and get positive conversation, information, holistic healing with Reiki and um, uh, uh, other types of holistic mm-hmm. uh, healing. And uh, it really works. It helps uh, people's mindset and uh positive energy and this holistic way of, uh, it's the of whole looking body. at things it's the whole and the body. Western medicine combined with um, is what um, makes people thrive with the disease rather than uh, lose them to the disease. So I know you had some success stories on the stage last week you were sharing with me. Oh, my gosh. Someone who's we, had this for 15 years. Right. What, uh, that's, my that's personal hero, Roberta Luna, yeah. who's right here locally in Orange County, California. Oh. I had actually met Roberta back in, I want to say, 97 or 98. She had just lost her oh. father to pancreatic cancer, met her on this Johns Hopkins chat board. Wow. Um, lost her father, her uncle, her grandmother, I believe it is, and then her mother, Roberta, oh is a 15-year survivor wow. of unresectable pancreatic cancer. And what does she attribute it to? You know, they they were watching her because of her family history. Yes. They caught it early. Oh, good. They've been very aggressive with her treatment. Right. I think mine caught it. My friend caught it early, mm-hmm. too. That's important. And the key is if you can find the right treatment for your particular tumor type Mm -hmm. which for years that hasn't necessarily been happening Mm -hmm. you know somebody gets diagnosed with you know in many different diseases a certain type of 
cancer and they throw all kinds of chemo at them, but specifically with pancreatic cancer, Mm -hmm. we know that this precision medicine concept that everybody's talking about now, and it's really saying, okay, if you have a tumor in your pancreas, we need to do molecular profiling to find out what made those cells behave badly to begin with. Mm -hmm. And if there are mutations or a mutation that shows up, we need to be able to look at all the drugs that are out on the market, Mm -hmm. whether they were formulated specifically for pancreatic cancer or maybe even for another disease, but they happen to target mm-hmm. that mutation. And why wouldn't we match you up with right. a treatment that could potentially hit your tumor? Wow, that's amazing. And and uh, um, this new robotic surgery, I understand, is really helpful, too, in, in removing it. and it, Yeah. Because you know, I know the pancreas cases, is a very uh, fragile uh, organ in the body well, to and be it's the doing surgery. Yes, it's it's deep, and the functionality, right? Deep in your abdominal cavity, kind of behind your stomach, in front of your spine. Mm. So it's very difficult to get to. Right. That's why many times when they're doing a a whipple to you know kind of replumb the area to remove and resect the tumor, it it's a pretty invasive. And sometimes the robotic methods aren't necessarily appropriate, again, because right. of the location. On I the think situation. you said Barbara's was on the tail of her pancreas, yes. so it was probably a little easier to right. do that. Um, but they liken a Whipple to like an open-heart surgery as far as yes. the severity. Yes, major surgery, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, we're just really proud that over the past 18 years as an organization, and we knew from the beginning that we didn't just want to fund research because if you just put money up to fund researchers, attract them to the field, but you're not doing anything on the advocacy end of it, right? you're not really insisting and mandating and encouraging the federal government right. to increase their investment. So it's important that the government uh, fund you guys. Absolutely. Right. Well, they don't fund us, mm-hmm. but they fund research. We I don't get see. any government funding. Gotcha. But those two go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. So besides the research, the advocacy would look like what? Well, we have coming up on um, June 19th and 20th, our Mm -hmm. 10th annual Advocacy Day. Mm -hmm. On the 20th, we will turn Capitol Hill purple. We do have a small office, a government affairs office in Washington, D.C., and we're really proud to say that in 2013, we got a law signed by the president that mandated that the National Cancer Institute make pancreatic cancer a national priority. Right. We also took along with us um, at the time seven other re- what they called recalcitrant cancers, those cancers that had a five-year survival rate under 50%. But the first one that was going to be given priority treatment was going to be pancreas and then also lung. That's fantastic. Good so, for you. But, you know, we have yeah. big voices and big feet to stomp, and we're very passionate. Yes. And we want to get things done, and we're doing it. We're getting things done. That's great. And when people want to check it out, it's pancan.org, right? Pancan.org. And, and and you're know, looking if, for funding. You're looking for volunteers. You want people all over the country to be affiliates. There's there's so many opportunities for people to participate, right? Right. And, but most importantly, if somebody should happen 
to get a diagnosis of pancreatic cancer, Mm -hmm. we have built a tremendous resource in our patient central program where patients or their family members can call in. Mm -hmm. We will provide them with the most up-to-date information on pancreatic cancer so that they are able to make informed decisions. It's so important that people are treated at facilities with doctors that mm-hmm. see more than one case a year. I mean, right, seriously. We... Right. And, and how wonderful that they can contact you because had you, Pamela, not started this organization, there, there wasn't anywhere for people to turn and even say, right. well, what's the latest and what should I be doing? And we, you know, and it's an awful feeling. It's oh, really yeah. an awful feeling. So what we built with our patient services is everything that we all didn't have when we were traveling that journey with our loved one. And we're really excited about a new program called Precision Promise where, you know, I'll, I'll back up just a little bit. You know, our organization is in such a unique position because we don't specifically align with any one institution across Mm -hmm. the country or any one treating physician, Mm -hmm. we look at ourselves as the conveners. We like to think of ourselves as the ones that bring the whole community together. Mm -hmm. We can take a step back from the outside, look in, see where there's gaps. And remember that part I said about removing the fear? Yes. We have done that. So we are very bold and bodacious about what we do and how we do it. Mm -hmm. And we are in the process of flipping everything on its side. Patient is going to come first always. And we have absolutely pledged to double survival for pancreatic cancer by 2020. Wow. And we're going to do that and go far beyond because doubling is not good enough. Wow. That's amazing. And all because your mom got pancreatic cancer, which is so interesting because isn't it funny how in life sometimes really great things come from really dark things that happen to us? so true. And you never would have started this had your mom not contracted that. And and as sad as that is, uh, she must be just smiling down on you for the work that you're doing and you you know oddly enough you probably wouldn't be doing this if it hadn't been for that so I know you've touched so many lives and will continue to through the future what a wonderful legacy and uh, thank you it's it's a whole bunch of us that have come together yes I I know it always takes a village absolutely absolutely but it started with a concept and a crazy uh, wild idea oh let's do a gala in Beverly Hills yeah and also what a wonderful healing for you you know you grow up with a you know, tenuous relationship, and then you, you know how wonderful to heal it by doing something so grand for somebody. Uh, she must just be so proud. That's all I can say. And uh, I hope so. Thank you for what you're doing and your whole team, because uh, it certainly is making a difference to so many individuals and families. And I know we'll continue to do so. So thank, thank you for you. sharing your story uh, well, today. Well, thank you so much for having me today. We really, really appreciate it. Thanks, thanks, Pamela. Okay, well, we'll be back next week with uh, other guests. Uh, I mentioned earlier Shirley Baskin Familian, who's a acclaimed artist. She's 97 years old. You are not going to want to miss that. As well as Yumi Harad, who's in. Uh website uh, development specialists uh, who can help you grow your business and uh, be sure to subscribe to us on YouTube. We will see you next week. Make it a great week. Hugs and happiness.